This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. This is Open for Business here on BFM 89.9 and I'm Lily Chai. Jewelry has an undeniable ability to bring out the best features and personality of a person. But the Petal Archive is doing more than that with their jewelry. Started at the end of 2020, Alyssa Lee and her sister founded the Petal Archive by pressing and drying fresh flowers and leaves, then embedding them in resin and transforming them into jewelry pieces. They want their jewelry to be time capsules and a reflection of their customers' individuality. Alyssa is here in the studio with me to share her blooming journey. Hi, Lily. Tell us who you are and what the Petal Archive is all about. Okay, so I think you've covered most of it. I'm Alyssa. I run the Petal Archive with my sister, Celine. And um, the Petal Archive is all about taking the beauty of nature, nature's wonders, encapsulating them in timeless jewelry pieces that everybody can enjoy. Uh, what were you doing before the Petal Archive and do you have any experience in the entrepreneurial space? Okay, so this is my first entrepreneurial venture. But prior to this, I did graduate with um, a degree in fashion jewelry and I've also got a background in fashion design. So jewelry is not anything new in my life. And within my family, the craft of Preserving flowers has always been a thing. So my mom was a florist and my dad has been studying and practicing the art of preserving flowers, pressed flowers for many decades now. And I guess it's just kind of serendipity that both these things plus my background in jewelry combined and birthed the Petal Archive. Right. Okay. You mentioned before the show that this kind of parked under your family business. So mm-hmm. uh, what is your family doing? What is the family business mm-hmm. about? So my dad has been making pressed flower items for many years now. He focuses more on larger scale pieces. So he's got um, framed works. He's got resin, home decor, souvenir items. But this brand, we decided to focus and really zoom in on wearable pieces, more dainty looking um, jewelry, more modern, more contemporary, something that um, the everyday a woman would want to wear. Uh, speaking of this, why did you decide to use jewelry to preserve the beauty mm-hmm, of flowers mm-hmm. there? You could use, you know, maybe like bookmarks or keychains or stationery to do the same. But why did you choose jewelry? For sure. I think there's a parallel between flowers and their role in nature. Flowers kind of embellish the fields. They, they're they so beautiful to look at. They adorn just plain stalks with leaves. And that's similar to what jewellery does for a person. You put on a plain outfit, but you throw on a piece of jewellery that's really beautiful, that catches somebody's eye, and instantly your outfit is transformed. The whole look is transformed. So that is one of the concepts that pushed us to kind of Um, have more of a tunnel vision towards jewellery. But also, it was the idea of having something special that you can have on you every day. 
um, a bit of nature, a bit of the outside that you can keep with you, on you, on your person. It's just quite a romantic idea. Yes. Yeah, it's right. very nice. Mm. Mm. And your uh, this kind of aligns with your core um, brand value as well. Mm-hmm. You want your jewelry to act like a time capsule yeah. and a reflection of your customer's individuality. How are you able to do that with your jewelry? Yeah. So the time capsule is it's almost quite literal. What we do with um the flowers is. We pick them while they are fresh, while they have blossomed, and then we preserve them in that state. And we've got um, techniques to keep, you know, what makes that flower really beautiful, the color, the texture, the form of the flower intact. So we preserve that and then they're embedded in these jewelry pieces and it's almost as if they're suspended in time. They're frozen in time. So that makes them a time capsule. It stops time for this, these flowers, these blooms. And you know how you get a bouquet of flowers and they bring you so much joy. But after a while, they start to wilt. And it's just so, it's so sayang, you know, <laughs> watching, watching these beautiful flowers just kind of droop and wilt and eventually you'll have to toss them away. So what we do, we really preserve the beauty that it can be cherished and appreciated for many years um, to come. And flowers in the field are all special. No two flowers are exactly alike and no two human beings are exactly alike. So when you buy something from the Petal Archive for yourself or for a friend or for someone you love, it's kind of saying like, hey, I got this piece for you. It is one of a kind. It's got a real flower in it and it's a reflection of you as a person, individual, unique, one of a kind. Right. So the first question that came to my mind when I saw your products was, how do you do it? As in, like, how do you press the flowers? How do you preserve them and make them into jewelry pieces? Sure. How we do it, there are a few steps to the process. So first, we select the nicest flowers we can find um, in a bunch. And then we dry them, we press them so that they are flattened and we can embed them in jewelry pieces. The jewelry pieces are designed to house these preserved blooms within a layer of resin. So resin is part to encase the jewelry where they will stay embedded forever. So resin is is a material where it's it's liquid in nature. It usually works with a catalyst or Um, It's a two-part ingredient, depending on what type of resin you use. And when you combine these ingredients, it sets to become a solid piece. So that is resin. It's really like plastic. And we use the clear resin to embed the flowers, and that's how we showcase them in their full glory. Right. Is all your jewelry handmade and by who? Okay, they are all handmade. From start to finish, so the the flowers are pressed by us. We do all the arrangements ourselves. We really work with like magnifying glasses and tweezers and we painstakingly arrange the flowers. Even packaging our display items are all designed in-house and customized to you know what we have in mind. 
And by hand-making things, mm-hmm. there must be a lot of uh, pain points and challenges in between. Uh, what are some of your pain points and how have you been overcoming these problems? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is not being able to fill orders as quickly as we would like. So we have quite, I guess, a long lead time that we need compared to a lot of different sellers in today's world, I would assume, because we get an order and we still have to manufacture the products post getting the order. So we don't have a huge inventory of ready-made products because everything is really custom and it's all done by hand. And it's such a small team that we cannot build up enough stock to keep and dispatch the very next day or the day off. So that would be a pain point as, you know, a lot of people have gotten used to getting items the very next day or same day delivery. But sometimes when we have a lot on our plates, we do need up to three to five days to make your um, items and then we would dispatch it and then it takes another two to three days for it to reach the buyer. And it is unfortunate that we can't be quicker because a lot of our products are bought as gifts and if, you know, people with last minute gifting, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. We would love to give you a customized piece for your birthday party the next day, but it's just not possible at times. Mm. Yeah. So with this uh, this challenge, are you looking into automating your production process? With handcrafting and with um, pressed flower jewellery, there's really not that much we can automate. You still need the human touch. We still have to personally make the item. What we could do in the future is expand the team so that we have more hands on board. We can automate other processes to speed up our turnover. But in terms of automating the making of the jewelry, I don't see how that's possible unless, you know, there's there's like robots that can do that in the future. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's time for us to take a short break for some messages, but don't go anywhere. I'm here with Alyssa Lee, the co-founder of The Paddle Archive here on Open for Business, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Be free-minded. BFM 89.9 Welcome back. This is Open for Business here on BFM 89.9. I'm Lily Chai. I'm here with Alyssa Lee, the co-founder of The Paddle Archive. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the genesis of the brand and how the products were made and produced. So, Alisa, the flowers in your jewelry, they are very small and very dainty. Uh, they are not typical flowers that we usually see. Uh, so, where do you find these flowers from? We get this question a lot. A lot of people pay a lot of attention to the big flowers in the bouquet or the big flowers at florists. But actually, a lot of these flowers are flowers that you may overlook because they're used as filler flowers in bouquets. Uh, they usually grow in clusters and what we do is we painstakingly pick out every single tiny bloom. Sometimes we pry open the petals and then they're pressed and preserved. On top of that, um, some of the flowers we do have to cultivate and grow ourselves so that we can get them while they're so small. So it's a labor of love really. 
I want to ask, besides the flowers, you do need the hardware for jewelry as well. So where do you get these hardware from? Are they sourced locally or internationally? Most of our hardware um, are sourced internationally. We've got things that come from Korea, from um, the UK, from Hong Kong, from China, things from the suppliers that are the best at making that particular thing. So because I have a background in jewelry design and I studied in the UK, I've got connections there. Um, my dad's got connections with uh, manufacturers and suppliers in uh, Hong Kong, China and Korea. So it was really helpful um, to start off having these people that we can trust in our address book, we were able to bring them together and bring our idea to life. Right. Speaking of this, you need to source from multiple places. There has been a lot of supply chain issues and disruptions. Naturally, that comes with like the price hike and the current inflation as well. Has that affected your margin and how are you adjusting to that? It has. So there have been a lot of price adjustments. At the same time, we also started off making products at a lower price point because we used more brass and more um, plated metals and that was at a lower price point. And right now we have um, begun to expand the range to different types of material and that could justify a higher price point or would definitely demand a higher price point. So some things we have better margins and some things we don't have such good margins, but they kind of, you know, help each other out. And also we've gotten more efficient with how we produce things and we've got better relationships with some suppliers now. So there's a bit of room for negotiation. So we would never want to take in all price hikes from the back end and pass on the increase to our customers. Right. Speaking of your finances, what does your profit margin look like? For the items itself, we try to have at least at least three times where possible. We would take into account also the landed costs, um, labor, because it's very, very time consuming. And also, you know, there are costs that we have to take in for um, setting up our market booths for pop-ups. We've got to take into consideration A&P in order to be able to sustain the business and put back right. into development and right. things like so that. So how much capital was invested into the business? Um, in the initial stages, we were very generously given around thirty to 40000 um, by our parents to kickstart the business and that went into R&D, buying all the parts that we needed, the raw material, you know, starting a workspace, um, investing into the website and packaging and things like that. It's just quite a lot of money to start out because you can't buy parts and things like that in small quantities. There's mm-hmm. always an MOQ that you have to fulfill. Uh, so you've been operating for almost two years now. Uh, have you broken even or have you become profitable yet? We're looking at um, breaking even, um, becoming profitable towards the, towards the end of this year. Uh, another thing that uh, sparked my interest when I look at your social media posts is that you reach 
over 6,000 followers, which is considerably a very a, a massive growth for two years, right? Uh, what did you put in place in terms of your marketing and what was the most effective one? I gather correctly, a lot of small brands actually got their start during 2020 when people were actively supporting small businesses, shopping from small businesses. They had the time to browse and discover new brands. So our following grew quite a bit because people were just more aware, more interested and looking out for special things to buy, small businesses to support. And then when things started to open back up, we did quite a few pop-ups. We had um, market booths at various locations to reach out to the crowds that we hadn't been able to reach earlier. And also to have more of a personal and offline presence so that we can kind of meet our customers, talk to them, introduce this whole product line to them. It was... I think it's still quite a novelty to a lot of people. Pressed flowers, preserved flowers, and especially in jewellery, we got quite a lot of traction through selling offline. It, it also spreads by word of mouth because it is an interesting product. Uh, we do do some online ads and that reaches a wider audience because we mainly do pop-ups here in KL. So people from other states, other countries get to know of us through those ads. You know, when somebody gives you a gift and it's really interesting and it's really nice, packaging's nice, product's amazing, you would tend to look for their Instagram page and I guess they saw something they like and they followed us and right. we're very grateful for that. Right, but I guess from what I gather from what you said, uh, the most effective one still comes from meeting people, talking to your customers and have like the human face-to-face -face interaction that is able to garner the more organic growth and to get to where you are today. Yes, you're right. Uh, it's just different when you're there in person walking someone through your product offering, explaining, answering their questions immediately instead of them having to click into your FAQ page on the website, you know, them being able to touch and feel and try on these jewellery pieces. It's just different. It's really great. Yeah. Right. Comparing your sales now to when you first started out during the pandemic, have you seen like a, a spike or what does it look like in terms of your sales? We definitely had a lot of online orders during the pandemic. I mean, goes without saying, mm -hmm. we had. But now we've noticed that people who reach out to us on our DMs, a lot of them are actually even more interested in finding out when our next uh, physical pop-up is so that they can come in person to look at the items and to shop the full collection. Uh, so... It's just that switch that we saw from online buying to offline buying. Mm. Right. So you have been doing pop-ups uh, ever since we have opened up and you only do like three to four days or like a month-long uh, pop-up. So are you looking to put yourself in retail or uh, in accessory jewelry shops, uh, put it on shelves and things like that? Are, are these part of your plans? 
Yes, we do have future plans for this. Uh, hopefully, when we can have more help and if the team expands, we are able to focus on that and build up a better inventory that we can afford to put items on shelves right. in other people's stores. Right. So besides this, uh, what are your other future plans that you're looking at? Yes, we've got a lot of things we want to do. What we have right now is really just the beginning. And also, we would love to collaborate with other brands. We would love to collaborate with um, content creators. We just haven't um, explored that yet. But yeah, I think there's so much room for us to grow and to learn and to expand and to reach more people, to make more beautiful things. Yeah, great things are ahead. Right. I've been speaking to Alyssa Lee, the co-founder of The Petal Archive. If you miss any part of this show, you can go ahead on our website at bfm.my or the BFM app that is available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. I'm Lily Chai and this has been Open for Business here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the VFM app.